really precious one, perhaps one of my favorites in the catechism, if you're allowed to have favorites in the catechism, which I think you are. Um, We're continuing to think about together and work through these benefits that are ours in Christ. Um, We started with uh, our union with Christ, and then, right, that's the, that's the, the fountainhead of all the blessings that come to us in our salvation. Um, when we're united by faith to Jesus Christ the Savior, all the riches of what he's accomplished flow to us. Justification, adoption, sanctification. We saw those, the big three. Um, and then we looked uh, last Lord's Day at assurance of God's love, peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Spirit, perseverance to the end. We saw those things as well that God, who's done so much for us in Christ, will continue to do everything necessary to bring us to glory. Um, but there's more, still more. Uh, there's this one tonight, and then next week one more. What benefits do believers receive from Christ at death? Answer, the souls of believers are at their death, made perfect in holiness and do immediately pass into glory. And their bodies, being still united to Christ, do rest in their graves till the resurrection. There are two scripture readings tonight. Uh, The sermon will not be focused on these two readings, but um, they serve as a good scriptural context. I wanted to still have an Old Testament and a New Testament reading. Um, So we're going to read these two things, and then we'll turn to the specific scripture text for the sermon for tonight. So, Psalm 16. Psalm 16. Sorry, 116. My, my mistake. Psalm 116. I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my supplications. Because He has inclined His ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon Him as long as I live. The pains of death surrounded me, and the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. He preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Return, uh, for, for you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious. In the sight of the Lord is the death of all his saints. O Lord, truly, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. And Romans 14. 7 to 9. Romans 14, 7 to 9. Here we see kind of the, 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 the overarching principle um, of our belonging to Christ in life and death that we're going to cons- consider this evening. 
Romans 14, 7-9, God's Word. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. We're going to keep going. Um, It was my mistake uh, that I didn't send these to Val uh, to have them printed in the overhead. But we're going to keep going and read uh, the other texts here. Um, The first I'd like to turn to is Hebrews chapter 12. 23. You can turn there or just listen. These are short texts. Uh, but Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. It's page 1071 in the Pew Bible. Hebrews 12, 23. I'll start in verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. And then Second uh, Corinthians 5, verses 6 and 8. So we are always confident, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather, to be absent from the body, and to be present with the Lord. And First Thessalonians 4.14 For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. And then Isaiah 57.1-2 The righteous perishes and no man takes it to heart. Merciful men are taken away, while no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil. He shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. And that's the reading of God's word. Let's pray now that he bless it to us. Heavenly Father, we again ask that you would make your word a a swift word passing from our ears to our hearts, that we might have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might hold fast to him and know him and grow in him, And so be strengthened, yes, even in the face of something like death. And even rejoice in the face of something like this, knowing what is ours in our Savior. So do this, we pray, by your Spirit now, for Jesus' sake. Amen. After the death of his father, the Welsh poet Dylan Thomas wrote some famous words. He wrote this, Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. He's saying, as you face the end, right? Death. Then you should face it with fight. Right? Put up a fight against it. Don't, don't just go easy. Don't die gently. Right? Put up a fight. Death is a bitter end. It's an enemy you can't win, but fight it. That's what Dylan Thomas is uh, perspective on death was, and that's the perspective on death you're really left with without Christ. Right? It is. It's the end. End of hope, end of life, end of light, joy, pleasure, right? all good things we enjoy. Death 
puts an end to all of it. In light of this, right, and that, that's the general mindset about what death is. Um, in the light of this, the, the question that the Westminster Shorter Catechism asks here for us is really strange, isn't it? It says, what can Christians look forward to in death? Right? It's, it's asking, what, what benefits can you look forward to in your death? What about your death can you anticipate with excitement and joy? What a strange question to someone who doesn't know Christ. What are you looking forward to about dying? Right, but but that's, that's, it, it just shows for us, perhaps more than any other question in the Catechism, the glories of being a Christian. That even death is now loaded with benefits for the Christian. Those who don't know the Lord don't have this. Right, this hope in the face of death. They just are handed over to the judgment and wrath of God. Uh, their souls pass into eternal punishment and their bodies wait for the last judgment. There is no hope in death. Right, The sting of death is still there if you're not in Christ. But in Christ, it's so different. Right, Death is no longer something to fear, but God doesn't, hasn't just neutralized death for the Christian. It's not that it was a negative thing and now it's a neutral thing. He's actually filled it with with blessings for us. He's taken, right, death was our tyrant, our, our, our slave master over us, but he's taken that, that tyrant, and he's made him our servant now to bless us, actually. And yes, as Christians, we, we know that there's still grief in death. It's still an enemy, and God still says he's going to, 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 to put it to death finally at the last day. Um, so it is something to, uh, to, to you know, there, there is pain, legitimate pain over the loss of, of life and the loss of loved ones. But despite all that, God has filled it with joy and hope uh, and, and life for the Christian. So that's what we're going to consider tonight. Uh, this glorious hope for our souls, for our bodies in Christ, even in our death. The Catechism outlines three main benefits which are ours in Christ at death. So we're going to look at these, each one in turn, and we're going to look at some of the proof texts we just read as we do so. So the first thing the Catechism says is, the souls of believers are at their death made perfect in holiness. And the text there is Hebrews 12.23. Let me read that again, starting actually verse 22. You've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now there in the context of Hebrews chapter 12, the author is showing the church just how glorious the new covenant is, how it's better than the old uh, the old covenant under Moses, that we don't come to an earthly Mount Sinai, but a heavenly one, a heavenly Jerusalem, and that we join in with the company of the uh, saints who've gone before us and the angels in heaven, and we, we meet with God himself, and Jesus Christ himself is our mediator. Um, and, and one of the uh, groups that he says we join with in this new covenant worship is the spirits of just men made Perfect, And that's the phrase we're going to key in on. The spirits of just men made perfect. Those who die in Christ, their spirits, their souls go to heaven and they're made perfect there. What does that mean? They're made perfect. 
Uh, this language comes up a lot in Hebrews. Um, we see it first in Hebrews 2, 10 to 11. It says, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, and bringing many sins to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Hebrews 2 is talking about Jesus, God's Son, comes and learns obedience, and through that he's made perfect. Not that he was sinless before, but, but that he's, been, uh, he's perfectly finished and accomplished all the work that he came to do. Uh, the same thought occurs in Hebrews chapter 5. Again, we read this language of being made perfect, and it's with reference to Christ again. It says, Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9, Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So again, Christ is made perfect through his obedience to his Father. It's not saying that he's made sinless. He was already always sinless, as Hebrews also makes a point of saying. But he he fulfills everything God sent him to do. He dies the death God sent him to die, rises from the dead, and so he's perfectly equipped, completely equipped, to be the mediator for his people. We see it again, Hebrews 7, 28. The law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect. There's a big theme then in Hebrews, isn't it? That Christ, the obedient son, has been made perfect. And then in Hebrews 11, we, we read of saints who've been made perfect. Right? Those who are in this perfect mediator, trusting in this perfect Savior, are also made perfect when they go into glory. I think the author here is talking about the Old Testament saints, perhaps New Testament believers as well who've died since Christ was raised, um, uh, that, uh, um, that, 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 uh, that the spirits of these men who've died, and women and, and all those who trust in Christ, are made perfect in heaven. That means that they've become what they were made to be. Right, designed to be, that, that uh, what, what man was made to be, he is perfectly now in heaven through his death. What is it that our souls were designed for, that we were made for? What's the goal? It's holiness. It's, it's to reflect that image of God uh, that we were made to reflect in the fall. Sin breaks that image, doesn't completely erase it, but, but we lose that holiness, and it's restored then in the heavenly uh, glory that we enter. This is when our souls are made perfect. That's a great hope for us. That when when we die, sin is done. When we die, we are perfected in holiness so that we could not be any more holy. That when we enter into heaven, we we, we we are perfectly free from the influence of sin forever. And, and, and we are beyond the possibility of ever sinning again. The last uh, shreds of sinful desires that clung to you will be erased when you, when you die. Uh, and you'll become more truly yourself than you ever were in this life. It's a strange thought, isn't it? Right? That when, when you die, that's when you become most fully alive as a human being, when you pass into glory. And uh, every sinful habit and desire is gone forever, and you won't be able to sin, and you'll perfectly reflect the image of God and knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. That's a glorious thing. We'll be made like Christ. That's something for us to look forward to. Something for us to, to long for. 
Right? We struggle with sin. It's an ongoing battle. We read this morning of, of the law of God and the place it should have in our lives, and we're convicted by those things. When will this end? Right? The long obedience in the same direction. When will it be over? My struggle with sin done forever. It's when we pass into glory. We'll open our eyes and we'll be holy in heaven. It's a great hope. It's one that we should hold fast to. There's another death benefit, though, that's ours in Christ that the Catechism addresses next. Not only will we be made perfect and sinless, the second thing it says is that in Christ, when we die, we immediately pass into glory. We don't go to purgatory and wait till we've been cleaned up a bit. Um, our souls don't go to sleep until the resurrection on the last day, as some people teach. Our bodies will remain on earth, but the scriptures clearly teach our souls go immediately to the presence of our Lord. We see this in the uh, Thief on the Cross, right? The Lord says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Um, and we, we see, we're going to see it in a minute in 1 Corinthians 5. Immediacy, immediately translated to God's presence. It's a hard thing to grasp, right? How, do, how does my disembodied soul going to see Christ and, and sing his praises when I don't have a mouth to sing them with? Uh, how, how am I going to, how, how, what's it going to be like, right? A soul without a body for this time. We don't know. All we know is what it is to have a body. We don't know what it will be like. But we take it on faith that our souls will go immediately to be with Jesus on our death. 1 Corinthians 5, 6-8 says this. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Paul compares our bodies to tents. We're living, we're living in, in temporary dwellings, right? We're, we're not home yet. We're far from home. We're in these bodies which are marked by suffering and, and sin and weakness. And as long as we're here in the body, we're in a sense away from the Lord. Yes, he's with us by his spirit, but we're not face to face with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. We see him by faith, but we don't get to see him by sight yet. And Paul says that's what we're longing for. And that's what we get when we say goodbye to our bodies and we go to be with Christ in heaven. In that moment, we'll see his face. What a hope. When you die... You're trusting in Christ, you die, you close your eyes to this world and you open them on in the next and you see the Lord Jesus Christ and all his perfection as your mediator. You'll be there in his presence, you'll hear the angels singing his praises, worthy is the lamb who's slain. You'll see all the saints who've gone before you clothed in holiness and, and shouting in a louder voice than the roar of the ocean, praising Jesus Christ. You'll see the face of our Lord. And you will be freed forever from pain and worry and anxiety and grief. You'll be there in his presence, uh, experiencing the, the deepest, sweetest possible fellowship with him when you die. In 1 Corinthians uh, 5, 4, just a few verses prior to what we read, Paul says that we groan after this. He says here in our, in our text that we are well pleased to, to, to leave this body and go to be with the Lord. 
So he's not thinking of um, heaven as sort of pie-in-the-sky thing. He's not, it's not a wishful, uh, colorless thing. He has a real hope and a holy impatience to get to heaven and see the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Lovins, as you think about what's ahead of you, your future and your death, right, do you consider this? Do you, do you think, do you, do you think right, sometimes perhaps we think, um, oh, well, I hope it's true. I hope, I hope it's all true. I hope Christ really will welcome me into his presence. I hope I really will not just fall asleep and cease to exist, but wake up and see his face uh, in glory. Right? That's not what we want. We want that, that real confidence Paul speaks of and the real longing that he has, that his life is dominated by this hope. Uh, perhaps sometimes our view of death becomes too colored and influenced by our culture, which sees death just as the end of joy rather than the beginning of joy in Christ. We should be longing for that day when we see Christ, like a bride longing for her wedding day to the man of her dreams. Right? We should, we should long for this, to see Christ face to face. And when we don't, we need to, we need to work on it, right? to train our hearts in this, and in, in our affection for Christ. Like this is, Paul says, First uh, Philippians one twenty three says, I would rather depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. And that's the attitude we want, to be longing for that. How do we do this? We don't naturally, I think, do this. Um, we, 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 the, the things of this earth are present and they're important and they're urgent and they call out for our attention. Um, how do we train our hearts... To, to not long for these things, but to long for the presence of Christ in heaven. It comes down to loving Christ. Do you know Christ well? Is he real to you? Are you living with him, walking with him, learning to love him, getting to know him better, following him and obeying him? Paul says, Philippians 1.21, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So you only know that death is gain, and you only look forward to that day when you see Christ, and that's gain to you, if to live is Christ for you. If you want to see, the, see your death not as, um, not as a frightening thing, but as a wonderful source of benefit in Christ, then you have to live in Christ now and walk with him closely now. So make it your ambition to do this. Um, here's, here's, uh, here's, here's what we're called to do here. It's to, to get in the Word Get to know him better. Speak to him more in prayer as well. Um, rehearse in your mind all that he's done for you and, and uh, treasure what he has done for you. This is, what will, um, this is what will make us long more for heaven. When we taste the goodness of Christ now, that's what will make us long more for, for heaven to come. The hymn uh, that's based on the words of Rutherford puts it really well. It says, O oh Christ... He is the fountain, the deep, sweet well of love. The streams on earth I've tasted, more deep I'll drink above. There to an ocean fullness, his mercy doth expand. And that's, uh, that's it. We've we, we got to drink from Christ now. The riches of his mercy now, the streams, so that we can long for the fullness of the ocean of, that, that is coming. So this is our hope. Freed from sin forever living in the presence of God and the, the glorious smile of our Lord Jesus Christ forever. That's what our death is bringing to us. There's one more thing. The third death benefit for the Christian. And that is this. 
It's the last section of the Catechism. Their bodies being still united to Christ do rest in their graves till the resurrection. What we said so far is good. It's, it's, it's wonderful. And it should be enough to uh, convince us that we have a glorious hope and God has, has loaded this with blessings for us. Uh, that death is not something to fear and dread, but something that through Christ has been turned into something we can anticipate with joy. But there's one more thing to consider. Uh, we've spoken about the benefits that come to our souls. What about our bodies? Right? Is there any benefit in Christ at my death for my body? Again, the worldly perspective, does your body benefit at death? Absolutely not. What about in Christ? Sometimes uh, some, some in the church have seemed to have forgotten that God made us with bodies as a good thing and that he has designed our bodies uh, to, to be a benefit to us and that he plans to raise up our bodies in the last day, that our bodies are good, that God has a purpose for them as well as our souls. And when we, see, when we see a loved one die, it's so strange to see you know, that person whom you knew and, and suddenly they pass away and there's just the body now. And it's not them anymore. But, but yet it's still the face you knew and the, the hands that you touched and the voice that you heard there. And so you miss them and you, they're, 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 something terrible has happened. What about the Christian? Two texts that are really helpful here. The first is the First Thessalonians 4.14. It says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. That's Paul referring to. Not our souls. Our souls don't sleep. They go immediately to Jesus. What sleeps in Jesus? It's got to be our bodies. We've seen this already, uh, right? Our souls go straight to the Lord. So here he's talking about our bodies sleeping in Jesus. And Paul's talking here in First Thessalonians about the final resurrection that's going to come when our bodies are raised up in glory. And so he's encouraging the believers there in Thessalonica that God has not forgotten your body and the bodies of those that you love when, when they die. In fact, he remembers and values and cares for your body even when it's dead. That he's going to keep it Right? Even in death, our bodies remain united to Christ. That's a remarkable thing. That our union with Christ extends even to that. That, that even my body is not cut off from Christ in my death. Yes, it will decay and rot away. But it's still united to Christ, and he's going to raise it up again in the last day. We read of this earlier in Romans 14 also. Right? Uh, we live to the Lord, we die to the Lord's. We are the Lord's. We belong to Christ in life and in death, body and soul. It's a precious comfort. We see a little bit more of it in Isaiah as well. And it brings out a nice, a, a really a wonderful image. Um, it says this, Isaiah 57, 1-2, The righteous perishes, and no man takes it to heart. Merciful men are taken away, while no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil. He shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds. Isaiah there is talking about how the righteous are going to die as an act of God's mercy to deliver them from the judgment uh, that's coming and to deliver them from the sinful uh, world they're living in. And then it's, uh, we get this image of God compassionately uh, bringing his, his, his own to himself and laying their bodies to rest, to sleep. That the body 
that has died in Christ is sleeping. Right? It's when, when a believer is buried, when a Christian's buried, um, it's like their body is being tucked in bed in the earth to wait for the resurrection. Right? It, this, this tells us, loved ones, that, that your body's death isn't permanent. It's not the end of, of, of you, in, in your, in your, in, even in your body, that it remains united to Christ, and one day that grave will open and your body will rise up in new, restored, resurrection life, and you'll be reunited with, uh, with your body. Um, you'll see your loved ones on that day. Right? You'll see their, their very bodies again as well, uh, their faces, hear their voices. They'll know their names. So, this is the Christian's hope. Are even our bodies united to Christ in death? The dead in Christ will rise again. Our word cemetery nicely reflects this idea. The word comes from Greek. Um, and it means a dormitory, a sleeping place. Um, it comes from the early church. This is the word they used because they understood this. We're just putting these saints to bed. Right? Their souls are with Christ. We're tucking in their bodies until the resurrection. It's a sweet truth. A glorious comfort. A glorious comfort that, that in all of this, Christ is our Savior and He's done this for us too. Yet he's, he's thought of everything. And He cares for every single part of His people. And that He won't let a hair of your head perish. Right? He'll raise you up on the last day. So, loved ones, as, you know, as we consider what is ours in Christ at our death, take this to heart. Right? Uh, learn these things. Right? However far away death may seem, learn these things. What, what, what is yours in Christ, even at death? That you'll be sinless in His presence. You'll be face to face with Him in glory. That even your body will be uh, resting in the grave as in its bed until the resurrection. These are precious things. So, shore up your faith with them and uh, rejoice in them in our Lord Jesus Christ, that we belong, body and soul, in life and death, to our faithful Savior. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the goodness of what you've given us in Christ, the immense riches and the tremendous hope. We pray that it would, uh, that it would uh, shape us, shape how we live, free us from the fear of death, and that we would long for that day when we see you face to face in glory. So, Lord, be with us and uh, teach, us, teach us these things. We humbly ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.